Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Wow, we this week is a big one. Dare I say, huge. Dennis and I give our first impressions of Godzilla, the new release from Stern Pinball. We fill you in on Godzilla pricing changes, upcoming production information, and which model reigns supreme. We also discuss the changing prices of all the other Stern titles, how much, when, and so forth. We chat about Stern Insider Connected, how Stern has increased the value of your collection, the upcoming board game, Joe Kamenkow truly bringing a kapow to his competitors, Kerry Hardy deep-rooting the hell out of some deep root. Twip shutting its doors, but then swinging right back on the return. Pinball market trends and much, much more. Oh, and and the birth of a pinball icon. It's Nordman. I hope you've successfully mylarred up because this shooter lane is about to get a little bumpy. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back a little bit later than uh, one would have thought, but it's episode 74 of the Pinball Show. We are your hosts, Dennis Creasel and myself, Zach Many. Dennis, a big day today. We got a lot of news. I know. We're recording during my working hours. This <gasps> is very stressful for me. I'm trying to monitor <laughs> the world whilst trying to monitor pinball and it's been a big pinball news day so i'm, I'm kind of stressed here really stressed huh you got, you got anything to uh to relax oneself in the evening kick up your feet a little, little pedicure what you got no no i have a taco salad waiting once we're done Ooh. ground beef I, I had the ground beef one for lunch so it'll be chicken for dinner mm. any salsa Yes, salsa will be the dressing. I like to mix it up like that. Now, it seems like after last week, we've got a lot of messages, a lot of people reaching out, right? Isn't that what they say in media? And I feel like you're not going to eat alone. You have a new friend because last week, ladies and gentlemen, a star was born entering the ring and stage left is Nordman. Holy shit, you really pulled out a new character that, that has hit hard. Yeah, the response has been surprising. I suppose there really are no other <laughs> pinball podcasts left. People are relaxing on to, to, Nord, to Nordman. Well, you designed a logo for what? him. To be fair, you designed the logo. I simply cleaned it up for purposes of use on social media or t-shirts or whatever we might need it for. Do you think Dennis Nordman knows about that his <laughs> alter ego? Has he, been exposed. He will once we send him a t-shirt. What do you think? He's an XL tri-blend? <laughs> I, I don't. I do not know. He is a silver ball knight. The caped canary in the coal mine. I love it. Did you think creating Nordman would have this big of a response? No, no. It was just, I was, you know, we were having that discussion. I was riffing a little bit. It's so perfect. But, but people latched onto it. So whatever makes folks happy. 
I've got uh, nothing really new this week. Today has been, I've had a blazing headache uh, for the best Uh-oh. reasons because it was a it's, new release yeah. day. Not just any new release, but a stern pinball release, which is always huge in this industry. We'll talk in detail about that. We have a couple other big uh, little nuggets here in the news because we weren't here last week. So That's true. Where's my pro? Oh, God. Oh, no. They went to the opera. I even saw Stern announce it. These go to the operators. First. I haven't said no yet. I haven't said no. Let's jump in. We don't have any correspondence, I don't believe. We don't? No, they had their own show last week. <sighs> Fine. The big news this week, listener, is that Stern Pinball releases and announces Godzilla Pinball Machine with the Toho license. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the theme itself, Toho's Godzilla? Well, it's a it's a what I would consider a niche theme, but Absolutely. an interesting one. I'm not I'm not the biggest Godzilla fan. I'm well aware of it, but I, I haven't seen every single uh, movie that they did. Toho did a lot of movies though, so. mm-hmm. but I mean it's iconic, and I, I think it's fun. It's campy in that kind of Elvira House of Horrors way. Sure. So, especially given the the era that they went with. So, yeah, I just, I think it's neat. It's not, you know, after Mandalorian, which I, I don't think Godzilla matches Mandalorian. What no, does no, in terms no. of sales? But, hey, I'll have you know, one of our TPN fellow podcasters, I won't name which one, contacted me saying that they thought this would outsell Mando, and I laughed. I laughed. I, eh, it may. It, well, uh, no, it won't. Because Baby Yoda, Yoda is so cute. Does anything outsell a Keith Elwin game? Sure. A really hot license does, <laughs> and and that's and, and not to mention that you know Mando is pretty respected as a shooter. So that is true. I, I think this will play good. All of Elwin's stuff has before. I'm, it's you know, it's I'm making the safe bet there. But and and that was their argument was Elwin sells games, and I agree. But theme sells more games than Elwin does. So I would tend yeah, to agree with that. The theme itself for me, listener Godzilla. I'm trying to think of how to express how little this theme does anything for me i figured that it, it's got to be something you you have never referenced godzilla never outside of like reviewing with your uh your show co-host greg bone mm-hmm. the sega game based off of the u.s 90s movie sure like you never talk about godzilla so i just assume no. this is not this was not a part of your upbringing or anything it really isn't and if given a choice if i had to pick godzilla yeah this is sacrilege but i'm newer stuff for me like give me <laughs> Give me well, the I, Matthew you know, Broadbrick version. I, well, now okay, now that would be sacrilege. I mean, you it, could go with a more modern. Ta- I mean, Toho has four generations of Godzilla. Sure, sure. Even the uh, the the stuff that's come out recently, the legendary pictures stuff, that's been pretty well received, especially mm-hmm. Godzilla: King of the Monsters, the 2019 film. Sure, sure. I'm gonna give this. Uh, it's going to flirt above the theme of an Iron Maiden for me personally. It's it's right around that Elvira theme hmm. maybe a little okay. bit higher than a black knight um right there with a monsters actually monsters is higher than than godzilla for me i i don't care about this theme at all what i do care about are the characters and creators of this particular pinball machine dennis we know that the designer and the lead rules is award-winning keith elwin the greatest pinball player of all time now uh, arguably maybe one of the greatest pinball designers of all time think a lot of people wouldn't even think it's an argument Okay. All right. I guess uh, we'll. I guess we'll know after we play this one. I was hedging there a little bit because I knew you would. Because you think after if he, if it's another great if it's another great and he's got four in a row, does that make him number one? 
Who would he be battling up against? Well, the typical modern era that, you know, we just solid state era that people would normally throw up at the top of their lists would would typically be Gomez, Borg, Steve Ritchie and Pat Lawler. Mm, I think you nailed that. He's surpassed a a Minier. Minier's only got two games. He's already surpassed that. He's surpassed a Denise at this point. There's no argument there. Yeah, I think there there could be arguments made, and and a lot of Borg stuff is some retread feel to it. But, but you see, that's part of where Keith like he's not got enough games for us to really identify a lot of retread yet. Absolutely, and we even pick up flavors in this layout as we mm-hmm. will discuss. That feel I think very we've seen much. hints even in some of the prior thing, and that's not a bad thing. Nope, People, nope. Know, you know, they know what works for them. Absolutely, that's why some of our favorite artists in in general in life have the same tones or the same colors or the same forms. It's just, it's their style, their fingerprint. Code lead, uh, who worked on code, is always Rick Nagel when it comes to mm-hmm. Keith Elwin games. Engineering lead on this particular machine was Harrison Drake. I believe he is back with this team. This is a solid team that sticks together. Artwork, in and out, different artists on Keith Elwin team games. This time, again, it is the Zombie Yeti, a.k.a. Jeremy Packer, who I would say definitively is the greatest pinball artist of all time. Hmm. You can have your EMs. You can have all of it. I think he's done enough work now. Every single one of his pieces are A-pluses. He is the god of pinball art, I'm going to say. Wow, that's quite a title. I know a lot of people do agree that he is, at least of the working artists, the greatest. Yeah, I mean, triangle people, I guess. Don't you all think that's cool or something? They had more restrictive uh, printing methods back then, less colors they were allowed to use. So Mm. in a way, it's not a fair comparison, but... Yeah, give me a Jeremy Packer monochrome over anything in the past. I don't care. That argument's nothing to me. So Jeremy Packer on artwork. Many inside the factory themselves, not that they're biased, have told me personally they think this is the greatest art package on a pinball machine that Stern has done. And many claim that this is the greatest game that Stern has done. This is this is their, I'm not going to say who told me this, but I was speaking on the phone with someone that said people at the on the team, in the factory, were saying that this is Stern's Adams family. Wow. That's well, what I said. Well, it ain't going to sell that well. So. I said, I hope they temper their expectations shit. a little bit. But they said this one was special. We know that there are three models. This is a typical cornerstone title. So you get a pro model, a premium model, and a limited edition model. What was the first thing that you had seen regarding this game, Dennis? Was it a picture? Was it a video? It was the trailer that didn't show the game. Oh, the yeah, the the teaser last week. Yeah, the teaser. You got the roars and with the, the music. music, with Akira Ifakume's theme. Mm, I do like that music. It's very good. Um, you should, if you if you haven't, listen to uh, Bear McCary's remix of it that he did for the modern movies. It's really oh, okay. good. A lot more, a lot more bass and brass added. Okay, so you, that was the first thing. What was the first visual thing that uh, that you <laughs> that saw regarding out. the actual game itself? Oh uh, well, I mean, I think the you know it was in the order of the trailer, so that's a little. In terms of what really stood out to me, the very first thing that truly caught my eye on the first playthrough was on the premium LE and the ramp that serves as a collapsing bridge. Yeah, super iconic, and uh, people have been screaming, "We need more mechs, we need more interaction, we need more unique features in in these games," and I I think they brought it. I wonder if the bomb is increased on this game because it just feels like I suspect like a it lot. is, but just judging from the gap between the... Pr- I don't know if the bomb's any higher on the Pro, but I get a feeling that the Premium LE had a higher bomb. 
it does it does certainly feel like that. First thing that stood out to me, I think was more conceptual. When I started seeing the layout of this game, that's what stood out to me. The for, I mean, the artwork pops. You're like, okay, there's Yeti. It, it, it checks the box. That's awesome. But layout-wise, I thought, is this an Avenger? This feels like an Avengers. Oh, the twirly thing. That's like a Jurassic Park. I kept going... Uh, vacillating between an Avengers and a Jurassic Park. Avengers, Jurassic Park. It feels like the birth of them. That was my first instinct was, look at all those wire forms. This is Avengers and Jurassic Park, which makes sense. Keith Elwin designed those two games as well. Why don't we discuss, before we dive in deep with the different features, rules, etc., there were some pricing changes that we knew were coming. Yes, the enemy has many spies, they had <laughs> told us. What do you mean? Birds. What do you mean? Do you think... Uh, Beasts. think there was something to that? Employees. Were we warming up to this idea before we even knew it? Uh, warming up? Well, that's in the eye of the beholder, but... Okay. But, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have the it leak. Uh, I think it, it, it at least prepped expectation. Though I have to admit, the prices are higher than I even thought they'd be. Mm. So it softened the blow a little bit, but the blow A little bit. Hurts. I mean, it's, it's close. It was close to... You know, I had... I had heard secondhand that the pros were going up six hundred, and they went up seven. Mm. And I had thirdhand heard that the premium LEs were going up a thousand, and they went up what twelve hundred on the premium and thirteen hundred on the LE. Yeah, and they threw another two hundred and fifty into the LE batch. So yes, not that I ca- I don't care about that, but so yeah, it was a, it was a quick it was a blow. Um, maybe not a kick to the nuts, but certainly still a kick to the stomach. Takes your breath away. The MSRP on Pro Model Godzilla is now $68.99. MSRP for premium level Stern Godzilla is $89.99, nearing that LE price uh, of the last release. And the MSRP on a limited edition Godzilla is $10,499. That is, that is substantial. Now, Gary Stern, I was in the, as a dealer, I was in the meeting. Do I have to say that? Do I have to preface it, say, as a dealer? I, I never know. It's like, I'm not trying to flex. It never say, hurts. Okay. It never hurts yeah. to add the transparency. I never know. I never know. But in the dealer seminar this morning, Gary had told us some of the reasoning that pricing has increased. He said, first off, connectivity parts have been added to these games. You're going to see price increase on all games. Part of it is these parts that we're adding, that uh, QR readers and whatnot, to get these things on the internet. Number two, supply chain issues. They're still struggling immensely when it comes to getting the parts. Gary was talking about, Gary Stern, the CEO and partial owner of Stern Pinball, talking about ordering parts in advance, like a year in advance, just so they'll have stuff. Uh, and they've been doing that for the last year or so. So he said the other day, we're, we're ordering stuff for two years in advance for chips and, and, and boards and stuff. So they're set better than a lot of other manufacturers, pinball or not, but still struggling to get those supply chain issues managed. Number three, freight availability scarcity. You throw them on a boat, that's fine, but if you have no containers to put on the water, you have to resort to things like air freight, which is much more costly. And number four, labor shortages, one that I kind of forgot about. But having people come to the factory, being available to work, the pandemic stuff going on and with all other socioeconomical things in flux right now. Labor shortages are a real thing, even if they have been providing some raises over over the different titles here, he said. Do you think that aligns those reasons for the the price increase, or do you think there's still more more in the uh, in the kitty there? 
Uh, yeah, I think there's more in the kitty, though. I would speculate that's probably the bulk of the increase. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think. That, I mean, uh, you'd be silly. You know, we were talking to. about the bomb look on the. You know, as we start later to go through the features between the. You know, the difference between the pro and the premium. But let's. Um, so let's assume for a moment because. This is what this is the game I play in mm-hmm. my mind. Gary has repeatedly in interviews stressed that the pro, while not a loss leader, their margins are a lot tighter on the pro units than they are on the premium LE. Correct. So let's assume that the $700 that the pro went up was entirely for these reasons that you've listed. Mm-hmm. And looking at the game, I could like, I don't see more bomb in the pro model. Okay. Now let's take the premium. And there, remember, we had originally were hearing that it was going to be like a thousand dollars more, and now it's twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. Now, the pro we were hearing six, and it's now seven. So maybe there's that one hundred dollars that just had to go in because costs have gone up even more since their first plans. Mm-hmm. But perhaps that extra one hundred versus what we had originally heard as the prediction of the thousand is bill of materials. Because normally with a premium, I expect two major mech differences, and I count three yeah, in play. Yeah, and a hundred more dollars it, under the under the play field is a lot to that's work. That's a lot with. of money. Yeah. So I could see that. And if you're wondering, like, okay, well, Dennis, you're going versus the thousand to the eleven hundred, uh, and then the extra one hundred to the twelve hundred. What about the difference from the pro to the premium, the seven hundred to the thousand? I think that three hundred's profit. I yeah. think that's just additional profit. I can I can definitely see that. I think they're maximizing the marketplace right now. Yes, right. Uh, Gary is he's pretty transparent when it comes to this stuff. He he's encouraging. He's like, look, guys, sell these things. Like this, your job is to sell these things. So do what you need to do to to sell these things for you know maximum profit. Right. Right now, it's, it's the impossible same reason. To get games. I think they've added, even though Mandalorian is a more popular theme than than Shoha era Godzilla. Um, you know, moving the LE unit count from 750 mm-hmm. to 1,000, even though there was also the price increase, because they'll sell them, you can sell them. And what's the strategy that Stern has long advocated? It's pros are really designed for the operators. And not that they mind homeowners buying them, but they want people to get out on location because that's the best way to find new people to sell games to. Yeah. So you get the operators to continue to buy these much easier to maintain pro models. And then hopefully those people look and are like, well, yeah, but as the homeowner, I want the spinning target bank and I want the skyscraper ripped out of Doctor Who and I want the bridge ramp. And I, you know, and it's like that, that shit's cool. That shit so, is cool. I mean, when I saw all of it, I was like, I was like, damn it. The premium just looks so much <laughs> more exciting. So it, cool. does. It, it does. It looks more exciting to me. Substantially so like, more so than usual, too, between a, a pro and a well, premium. yeah, and that's where I suspect they added an ad- another. You know, I could see another hundred dollars or to two hundred dollars in the bomb here. Well, and Gary's even when he was talking to us, he said pricing is fluctuating so much on bill of materials and, and different supply chain stuff. He said, just as an example, since they confirmed the pricing for their Godzilla, just doing that since then, their cost for bill of materials has gone up fifty bucks. He said, mm-hmm. So it is. It is constantly fluctuating that they're having to manage. So we're seeing, yeah, the, we're seeing pricing. The, the interesting thing will be once the, that supply stuff should be temporary. Within a year, I am expecting that we will see stabilization. That we we'll start and adjust accordingly down. at that point. It's a lot of money for a pinball machine. Sure, it is. But again, we we knew they were going to do adjustments because of the supply and con- and connected had to you know 
obviously the connected feature is more expensive than a plain apron. So that yeah, was going to get free. in there too. It's not free. Right. Now my number one question that I've received through email, through text, through voicemail is if I order today, when am I going to get my machine? And at the time of this recording, there's not a lot of information out there. As to the only information that we know, Zach, is you will get it before the Australians get their Mandalorians. <laughs> Poor Ryan. That He's like, oh, know. fuck me. Uh, production timeline is as followed for you wonderful pinball show listeners. The first run of pros, as we talked about, is for locations, and it's likely going to be... My basement's in a location, Zach. <laughs> well, technically it is. It, but two weeks, possibly even sooner, because they're on the line right now. They hmm. started okay. started on the line this week. They're going to start shipping overseas this week, so I'm assuming that next week will be... Uh, the earliest that we'll see them starting to ship domestically, which is very, very fast. That is really, really quick. Then following that first run of pros for locations, you're going to see the full run of limited edition models. They're going to be the last week of September. Uh, this isn't a change, but is one that I thought I'd consider letting everybody, everybody know before Dennis, when you would order an LE, you'd have to put in a $2,000 non-refundable deposit. That's what Stern asked from dealers. So dealers then pass that to customers. That was typical. Now and Mando, uh, payment is due in full. You're not going to see those deposits very likely from your dealer if you've if you're in on an LE payment in full. Ooh, pre-order. I've been telling our customers eh, get it to us within one to two weeks here. Payment in full. That's a big bill. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. And especially with there being, as we said, one thousand LE models. Typical for Stern is about five to six hundred, most typically five hundred. They increased it in Mandalorian seven hundred and fifty units, and then this time around, price goes up and the allotment of Ellie's go up to a thousand. Which might might cut down on the flipping. Have you have you looked at the market already on these? Yeah, things? but I mean, <laughs> another two hundred and fifty units and Godzilla is a less attractive theme. They sold out immediately. No, immediately. only through you. No, I. I heard others say that they were very close to getting it through their distributors. Dennis, I will give you $100 right now if you can find an LE with a dealer. $100. Well, it's a little late now. That's pretty immediate. I was talking like four hours ago. That's pretty immediate. You know, we were living in a very different world four hours ago. I was younger then. The first, full of hope. The first run of premiums is going to be October. So very typical to how they usually run these things. I'm guessing mid to late October. They just say October, but... Honestly, I think it's probably mid to late October. Then you're going to get a second run of pros scheduled for November. So all of you uh, consumers that want these in your game rooms, you'll start seeing those roll out in November. And then the second run of premiums is slated for early 2022. They're really, Yay. really backlogged, Dennis. I know, but they keep churning out new titles, so I don't know what to say. It's hard as a dealer at times. I mean, I'm blessed, but it's tough because... The majority of like our Mandalorian premiums won't come until 2022. And you don't get paid until the player gets it. Absolutely. Nor do we, most dealers aren't this way, but flipping out doesn't take deposits. We don't require that. So you pay when it's ready to go. Do you need me to send you some soup? Got a lot of people that, that's a good reference. Got a lot of people backing out saying, hey, I want to be on the, the Godzilla stuff now. But premium buyers are going to have to be patient everywhere. I read on one of the discords someone dropped their Halloween for Godzilla. Looks like Mecha Godzilla's coming home. <laughs> clank, clank. Oh, where's fucking Nordman when I need him? 
Nord man. <laughs> where, where's that third flipper going? I'll show you the difference between shooting a pro and then shooting a real version that has a kick-ass magnet. Oh my gosh. I'm about to, I'm about to dump four-inch crease of clone. I just love Nordman. Right, so you could put me <laughs> in your pocket and I'll use the Nordarang to protect you. <laughs> that's, that's gotta be like a fucking Dr. Dude ramp or something. Ah. <laughs> uh. Let's talk about this game. Game features. Mm. Three flippers. Oh, okay. Three uh, flippers. Owen okay. loves his three flippers. Yeah, you got to have three flippers. Sometimes, Sometimes more, four. But, yep. We've get, uh, we only get one pop bumper, and it's a UFO pop bumper. Interesting location as well. Bottom right, mm -hmm. a third of the game. Not protecting his least favorite feature. Poor, you know, did they make him do this? Because I would just, for those, oh, they wouldn't know. I had just joked yesterday about how I wish Stern would assign Keith Elwin the Kellogg's Raisin Brand theme because I want him to have to work with two scoops. <laughs> and here yes. he is with one. So now I'm, I'm worried this is a slippery slope and two scoops would no longer be a barrier for him. Do you think this was a mandated scoop? No, no, I don't. A requisite scoop. Maybe. I think, I think given the uh, the decision to be able to select m modes, you want a stopping point. So it, in this case, they figured a scoop made more sense than you know his other thing, which would be like sticking a post. To yeah, he's like, give me my post. Flipper. Yeah, I mean, I maybe it, maybe it's, it's cheaper to do a scoop, and he already bombed himself out with uh, that weird, fancy, cool Newton ball magnet. Mm, industry. First. I do like the look of that. I'm glad that is on all versions. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I think two main ramps, but I think I'm wrong. Uh, maybe it's three. We got a 180 ramp, a right ramp, and then I think we got the Avengers wraparound ramp in the back as well. So I think there's three uh, three spinners. All models include what you're referring to, that industry-first magnetic Newton ball that they were calling Magna Grab, which is capable of catching pinballs from five different shot paths and setting up that mm. upper flipper for you. Five different shot paths. Yeah. It's yeah, um, a little loosey-goosey. I, I see four obvious ones. I'm not quite sure. I'm, I'm guessing it's left orbit, direct shot onto the magnet, the shot to the right of the magnet. The fourth one would be straight up to the skyscraper. I guess the shot five is the stand-up between that shot and the prior shot. Because I, I don't. I mean, I only see arrows for three shots. To me, that's like saying the upper flipper on Led Zeppelin can hit that center ramp. Yeah, that's like dry land. That's a myth. Yeah, we'll see. We, we shall wait and see on that. It is a really cool feature. It makes a lot of sense. It's almost like, why haven't they done this before, especially feeding that upper flipper? Uh, I, I agree. I think it's cool that it's in all models. We also get, I uh, people aren't talking about, I think it's damn cool, in-lane chase lights. Did you see those? I did not. So on the in-lane there, uh, aligned with the flipper, there are windows within that in-lane plastic, and they have like a strobing flashing effect. I don't know if it's rocket artwork. Uh, yeah, it's like rocket artwork and uh, missiles. And they flash, uh, showing the ball coming through, almost like a sensor. Almost like a sensor. It's chasing lights. I like that feature. It's really neat. That's on all models. We get that. It's becoming very typical to Stern dual color GI. We know John Borg and Dwight Sullivan love that. Well, you can do a lot of effects with just two color GIs. That's on all models. And then if you jump up to that premium LE model, 
you do get the kick-ass motorized collapsing skyscraper bash toy. And if that's not enough, they have diverters based on floor position. So this is like, we don't need your manual hang glider TMNT diverter. Based on the floor that it's on, we will divert it from ramp to different ramp. Was there like four floors on this collapsible building? That's uh, I think four or five. If it maybe the roof five. counts, does the are we counting the roof? I guess so because the balls the balls rest, go up there. Yeah, the balls rest on the uh, chin of the roof, I believe. So on the so we get that collapsing skyscraper that I think is probably the central toy in this. You called it the Doctor Who. Hard to argue, but it's much cooler, isn't it? Objectively, it's it's cooler. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think so. On the premium LE, you also get that three-ball physical lock on top of that skyscraper. Everybody loves a physical ball lock. You also get the animated breakaway bridge ramp, that uh, thing that really stood out to Dennis when he first seen it. It's essentially a ramp that breaks midway, and the ball can fall through, feeding the upper flipper, or that magnet. I guess maybe that's one of the magnet shots. We also get on the premium LE a Mecha Godzilla motorized rotating three bank of stand-ups, revealing a spinner and a jump ramp. It's kind of like a mini carousel from Batman 66. But it's mini it's, cell. Yeah. Mm. Stand-up targets are kind of boring, but on the premium, it'll turn and say, hey, here's a spinner for yeah, you. Yeah, I well. didn't catch that it turned originally. I was like, whoa, that's where I started wondering about the bomb stuff. I was Because like, I saw the magnet on the Mecha. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that was the standout to me. And then someone's like, I think that moves, Dennis. And I was like, huh? wow. You do get Mecha Godzilla right behind that jump ramp with a magnet on his chest. So when it jumps off that ramp, bam, I guess that's the fourth ramp right there, technically. Plank clunk. Weak ramp, but get it sticking to his chest there. That's pretty awesome. Uh, you get a uh, custom molded Godzilla sculpture right behind the collapsible bridge, which makes sense to me. If you're not pro people, you can add one of those really easily. So that's that's the big features. Of course, you know, your premiums, you get the, the, uh, the metal apron and whatnot. For the LE... You get a high gloss metallic silver Mecha Godzilla armor. I can't help but to think this looks like the Mandalorian armor for the mm. LE. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, very wah wah on that. Aw. Mm-hmm. You get a mirrored back glass, which I'm in love with. And they're doing what they did on Iron Maiden. You get a reflective foil cabinet. Think about the Iron Man vault. You got that. Am I allowed to touch the foil or will it break? No, it's not gilded. Okay. You can touch it. You can lick it if you want to. Anti-reflective glass, shaker, cut, all the other LE stuff. Game rules, Dennis, and code. What are we doing in this game? I know that... I think we play as Godzilla. We play as Godzilla. Now, didn't Keith Elwin say that this game is not going to be as in-depth as a couple of the previous games? I thought Uh, he said it's more akin to like an Iron Maiden. I'm seeing a lot of shit to do. I mean, maybe the thought is that it's not like deep in the stacking sense. Oh, that could be the multiplier senses. Do I combine the to- the time gen with Mothra? <laughs> or is it better to save that for Ro- Rodan? I wish I had a reference that uh, could pull in the gems, but I don't. I know on the, the center, center of this play field, you're going to see things like the King of Monsters. That's the big wizard mode. Uh, leading up to that, you've got five main multi-balls. They range from two to six ball multi-balls. But your that right scoop, Dennis, like you said, that's where you're starting the cities. That's where you're uh, getting your allies, different team-ups to help you out advancing towards planet X. 
again to me uh, theme does nothing for me so i have no clue what planet x is but that's what you're trying to advance toward by completing all those cities and the different allies I yeah i never i never saw it but if you remember in the trailer there are the aliens coming in the flying saucers yeah yeah i think they're from planet x oh they're from one. They're from one film. Well, I think there were two films ultimate, but within the Showa era, they're from one film. I'm not going to lie; they kind of look like characters from Thunderbirds. Is it just mm. me? No, no, they did look a little uh, puppety. Yeah, they did. And it looks to me like that main bash toy, that collapsible skyscraper. You bash that enough, it lowers the level. You bash it, and, uh, you know. Other than that, I don't. I know that uh, this week in pinball, you might refer to them, listener. They had a deep dive on this, and oftentimes Jeff will have rules and pictures and everything. Or you can wait for the stream, I believe, is this Friday. Speaking of a lot of stuff going on, they went out and tried to get as many assets as they could as well. We get that original theme song from the 1954 Godzilla film. And I think a very underappreciated song that we opened the show with, Godzilla by the Blue Oyster Cult. Like that song, Dindin? I like the song. Okay, I'm not looking forward to it being in this game, and I what? hope it's minimally used. Why? It doesn't. It doesn't fit the era. It's campy, uh, colorful. Yeah, fun. I look. It's just. It's just me. But I would. I'm really glad that they have the the Akira Ifakube theme. I was hoping they would use more of his score throughout, and maybe they do. I gotta have more Mothra. Come on. I mean, I think when the I think when the Blue Oyster Cult. I think when you when it's game over, that's when they should just play that. It's the Attract Mode song. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I like the... The song's fine. It's fun. It's just everything else about... Maybe it's just for a multi-baller song. I don't know. Well, anyway, what about... I was really glad to see Ifakube's work was in it. Akube Matata? Akira Ifakube. Whatever the he hell did the you score for a long, long time. For uh, you're probably the kind of person that watches movies and reads subtitles. Ugh. You're going to read the subtitles. Is it worth a watch? I think not. I mean, I prefer dubbed, so you don't have to uh, focus so hard on reading, but... Oh, it's even worse. They get the worst voice actors for that. Well, what, what's your choice? You either have it subbed or dubbed. You don't have a... I mean, your third option, Zach, is you learn the language, and you won't do that. So. Are you a sub chaser or a, a oh dub maker? We don't need more shirts. People can't find crap on your website. I'm distancing myself from shirts at this moment. We'll talk about that. What about audio and video from 10 Toho Showa era Godzilla films? Does that do yeah, anything cool. for you? I mean, yeah, that's cool. Uh, Showa era is the first era. So that's the old, old stuff. That's like the mid-50s to the mid-70s. Okay, so you might as well just say a bunch of old shit. Yeah, no, if you like the uh, stunt actors wearing rubber Godzilla outfit and and doing campy combat and all that, that's this era. Yeah, the Power Rangers. Yeah, sure. Okay. I did get a, I did get a chuckle during the seminar. Uh, we were, that's one of the cool things during the seminar, we get to see some of the animation and stuff that you're not going to see because of license purposes, um, in the trailers, you'll see that during the stream, but they are, they picked out like super campy, super fun animations. Again, could care less about this theme, but those animations alone, I'm like, okay, checker. it's like nicely done. The, these are, these are funny. These are good. And poor Gary. Gary's what, 80, 90, 105? I don't know how old Gary is, but he he had like a coughing fit because he laughed at one of the cut sequences of Godzilla like flexing and, and pulling a metal bridge to his chest. I don't know. 
or spinning That's around because he was remembering back when he saw it when it was released in theaters he was choking coughing apologizing he was cracking yeah. up. no it's uh i mean the modern stuff that they've done has really emphasized like this kaiju battles big epic awesome cg fights and just you know epic fights but you go back uh back especially to showa era and a lot of it's goofy and just fun mm-hmm how many emails do you think Charlie Emery sends this week to Keith Elwin saying he's got some stuff wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, about the design, zero. Uh, about the code, about the art, about the yeah. just oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Art? Megalon didn't be... look like that. Oh, if well, only we would have got this what? license. Uh, you know, uh, now, if people are upset feel free to write into zach at uh the pinball network at uh, gmail.com not me but i'll go ahead and i'm gonna push back a little bit on this art package what this the decision to go full-on cartoon comic oh. that is not in keeping at oh, all with the show at all. and i feel like it looks like the same oversaturated color scheme we've been getting lately <sighs> I wondered when you would be wrong. Let's throw lots of reds, lots of oranges. I wondered. You know, all of Avengers. I knew it was coming. Well, uh, it's all well drawn. I don't think it, I wouldn't think it's fair to criticize like how any of the monsters are constructed, like how the artists constructed now them. Go back but, and look at the advertisements. They're super colorful uh, for these old films. I, I just, I personally wish that the art looked more like the films, which were Ugh. much more much more desaturated. No, you and, can't uh, draw people in costumes. That look like shit. What? No, this is can't. like I comic could, book. I think version. we could have gone with a color scheme. That was a little more realistic. Mm. That's just me. Okay. Well, look, I've, I've spoke with, it's well drawn. I'm not, I mean, Jeremy's, uh, Jeremy's oh, art yeah, to win that's... and doing it this way is probably smarter than doing it my way. I'm just saying, that's hey, by default. I kind of wish that. it felt a little more like the film. Cause this looks like some sort of comic book to me. And I agree. I, I agree with that. I'm happy it looks like this because it's fucking stellar. Like you put a line in the middle horizontal on this play field and look down and try not to get aroused. Try, try because that entire composition that he always does right between the flippers that, that belongs in like a portfolio of how to do pinball art, color composition, form, function. Everything is damn near perfection. Even between the flippers, you always get this iconic. If you want to have a flex piece, it's always between the flippers. Remember Deadpool. Remember the shield of Captain America. We get it here. The cutest, most lovable creature. I think it's a Mothra there. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that little bug-eyed bastard, I love. He's holding a pinball. Oh, God. So shoot again in his eyeballs. Get out of town. And this is not overly red. This is not overly. This you pick a blue, it's in there. You oh, pick poor a purple, Greg it's Bone. In there. Him pretending that he doesn't think Deadpool was more overly red after he got criticized for saying what I've heard others say that it was overly. You red. You guys will have to tune into that. I've already had uh, already had a word with Greg Bone, and there are some parts on this game he's not sold on. Again, I can't I can't criticize the the composite. Like it's well drawn. It's mm-hmm. just it's kind of like. This is exactly what I expected when I okay. heard he was doing the art. I have more issues. And like if I'm going to nitpick, I have more issues with the the art on the cabinet back glass than I do the play field. But it, it's functional, and you're right. It's it's as pinball art. It's it's very well executed. And also, yes, you're right. It is a Mothra between the flippers. Okay. Actually, what I really liked about um, and I don't know if Jeremy is a big uh, Godzilla fan, but I, this suggests to me that he is mm-hmm. because putting shoot again on Mothra 
with Mothra's ability to sacrifice herself and then respawn oh, is very cut. fitting. Deep very cut. fitting. You, oh, the depth in this artwork. All you got to do is keep zooming in and you see more and more features. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Uh, there are some Easter eggs in the artwork as well. Someone, I think it was Joe Trevino commented uh, that I saw on his post on Facebook, and he's right. The flooring of Drake Investments skyscraper is a tribute to the, the carpeting and the Papa facility. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I thought that was really nicely done. He's right. Absolutely right. There was also uh, a reference that Jeremy made to the Twippies. There was a Twippy trophy on one of the floors of that skyscraper. And I got to tell you, Jeremy Packer, thank you so much for putting that in there because that means a lot to me. So uh, that's, that's really cool. I love that. Twippies are still near and dear to me. So seeing something that I helped create on the play field. Yep. That's flex worthy there, Dennis. I love how you always have to mention your involvement. Uh, yeah. If you, if you birthed the child, would you call it a bastard? I would disown it. No, I you would can't disown, disown the child. <gasps> no. Mm-hmm. You throw the baby out with the bathwater? If the baby didn't stand in line like its job was. Some of us can have multiple children. I have enough love to spread. Or my other option would be, yeah, to have lots and lots of kids, and I'd put them all in identical outfits. Look, this Twippy baby thing has grown up and made a lot of shitty decisions that I wasn't there to help. Uh, it, you know, I, I don't have custody of it, so <laughs> it is what it is, but still love it. Still love it. Thank you, Jeremy. Really quick on the cabinet art. Is there one package that sticks out to you? Translight. Oh, you said cabinet art first. So cabinet art, I say Ellie. You're going Ellie. Yeah. Okay. So we have, it looks like the pro cabinet art is that iconic. How much stuff can we fit into an art package? Because this is going to be seen a lot on location. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be generalized to the entire audience as much as possible. Premium always gets a little bit more niche and it's going to give you um, it's going to give you a more specified art package. They're focusing this one on, it looks like whatever the hell that dragon creature is and the flying creatures, uh, you get Mothra and different things. Again, when we look at the pro and premium cabinet art, both left and right side of the pro are the same, both left and right side of the premium are the same. We do get a different cabinet art left uh, and right side of the LE. I'm only looking at the right side of the LE cabinet. Okay. Right side of LE, you see Mothra. And uh, Mecha Godzilla and Godzilla going at That's it. That's why I liked it. That's beautiful. That is nice. On the other side, it is just a close up of Mecha Godzilla. Oh, okay. And then the heads are different. That's okay. Uh, back glass. Uh, back glass, I would probably go premium. Okay, just so because King Ghidorah is Godzilla's greatest foe. And I like that it's prominent. King Ghidorah? The dragons. Is that what it is? King Ghidorah? His name is King Ghidorah. Uh. Three heads or two? How many is he got? Three. Three. Unless Godzilla's happened to sever one, which he does do. How original. <laughs> You'd be nice if he uses electric power. Nice try, Toho. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm looking at these art packages. They all stand out. They all look beautiful. I can't say anything negative about any of them if I had to pick. Again, give me the pro. I, just, no, I mean, I, the most I like iconic all of them. Stances. I like all of them. You, yeah. Premium. I like all of them as well. I, Ellie's probably my least favorite back glass. Hmm. Pulls too much blue in that back glass on that one. He, he did that with TMNT where he tried to have that dichotomy. I yeah, hate but dichotomy. you love that oversaturated warm color look is everywhere on pinball. That's like your weakness. Yeah, but I don't like dichotomy. I hate Transformers, Decepticons versus whatever edition where they split the, the asymmetry must be embraced. I hate that. 
I can't <gasps> stand that. So when I see the front of this LE cabinet and see like this dichotomy of this this uh, lightning bolt going down, you got Godzilla on one side and Mecha Godzilla. I'm like, ugh, puke. Hate it. Hate it. Keep it all. Now, uniform. what I do like on the pro back glass is beneath Godzilla. I believe they've put in the in the characters Godzilla. Oh, gorilla. In, yes, in Go- the. Uh, I'm just saying it in Japanese. Yes. Yes, that is. But a, in Japanese, it's not Godzilla. Yes. Gorgira, I think it's, oh, that, that's what Gary's told us. The premise of that that name was Gorgira is uh, a blend between gorilla and whale and whale. Yeah, yeah. How did you know yeah. that? Uh, because it's a portmanteau of two Japanese words. Yes, Gorgilla. Oh, Gorgilla. So I think sometimes people would hear Gorgilla and they thought people were making fun of how the Japanese said oh. Godzilla. And it's like no, they're actually saying a different word, like the dialect Gorgira. Mm-hmm. I got you. They should have added that that Japanese on all of them because I think that is really cool as well. Mm, picture that pro or premium in a mirrored back glass. Oh boy. oh, boy. Well, the pro people are just more cultured, I guess. Art package altogether. Yeah, give me yeah, give me the pro. All right, Dennis. We got to talk about accessories. Where's the topper yeah. at, baby? No one cares. No, what? I wonder the topper will be over a grand now. We did only, we know the Elwin toppers aren't usually known for being extravagant. I want it to actually blast me with atomic breath and then I <laughs> have to have a rad counter. But we do know the Elwin toppers typically add a code feature in them. Accessories, we only seen accessories of the art blades and the shooter rods. The shooter rod is is awesome. It's really cool. It has the uh, the egg, like a Godzilla egg. Did you see that little spotted egg? Uh, no. Okay. I did not. Once you see that, you'll like that. That looks cool. Art blades do not differ, in my opinion, very much from the LE art blades. LE art blades come standard on the LE version, and they're more a red-yellow color composition, whereas you get a similar art piece. Think Avengers, difference between premium and LE. You get orange and red for the LE. You get more blues and purples for the premium, same way for the art blades. So I don't think you're losing too much there. We didn't see the topper. We have not seen the armor. We know that sometimes like Mandalorian came with a die cut armor standard. This does not. This comes very much like Avengers. That straight. I'm getting way too too inside baseball here. I did notice one thing that I think is really cool. And all of these pictures, Dennis, if you zoom in and look under the shooter rod, there's a decal now. Sister and pinball. And if you. That's good because I forgot who made these. Well, and if you look at the accessories video. When you zoom in, you see also a now an overlay decal when you get that accessory kit, possibly. And it's colored, and it looks really, really nice. So that's something I noticed. I hope that is not just for promotion here in the, the pictures. And I also noticed something else that I think is going to be a connectivity thing. Go ahead and look at the premium and the LE apron. The Pro is not like this. The Pro, you still get these different decals on the Pro apron, but if you go to the premium and LE... You now get a full a full decal there, and it mm. looks phenomenal. There's no open space. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That looks really. You get more real estate for art, and it looks looks wonderful. Gary Stern showed us an example of the connected kit, and he held up. If you don't want that QR code a coder exposed, then there's like a, a decal or a magnet that goes right over it that continues that artwork, so you would never know it's even there. Let's wrap it up here when it comes to when it comes to Godzilla. You think this game is going to be a winner? You said yes, but it will not yield the sales of a Mandalorian. Do you still feel that way? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, it's like, how can, how can you bet against Mandalorian one of the hottest licenses in the last five years? I can't. Especially when the layout is seen as a winner. So 
Even if this is a winner on all fronts, it will always be weaker on theme. So that would suggest that there are more non-die-hard pinball people in pinball than there are die-hard pinball people. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you said, so maybe? I'm saying that there are more casual people in pinball than there are die-hard people listening to podcasts. Um, because that's sure. basically what you're saying, though, right? Kind of. Um, it's... I mean, you have to factor in so many different, you know, there's so many people engaged in pinball beyond just collectors. There's only so much money people can put into the hobby. They're, you know, they got to think about their families and what they're interested in playing. Uh, Godzilla is super famous. Uh, one might say worldwide, maybe more famous than Mandalorian, definitely older. But you're also, when you're going Showa era, you're focusing very much on people that have some sort of appreciation for the old school style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just, there's, this you feels like it. an original theme to me, Dennis. I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. It feels uh, like a generic I mean, it, it's original It's pulling theme. way too much from those films for me to, to give it. I mean, the whole plot of the game with Planet X and everything and the zillions and all that is straight out of what uh, Godzilla and the invasion of the Astro Monster. But, yeah, but in, a, in a similar fashion that Avengers pulls from comic books that nobody read. I think this is taking more plot beats than that. Sure. Okay. I think you just don't know it because you haven't seen the film, that, and that's, which I haven't either, but I read the summary and I'm like, okay, yeah. That's fair. I think this is a Keith Elwin zombie Yeti game for diehard well, pinball people. Well, obviously it is. That's they what both I think. worked on it. Yeah, but that's what I'm thinking it is. That's the draw to people. It's not Godzilla. I think the majority of diehard pinball players are buying this game not because of the theme at all. They're buying it because it's an Elwin Yeti combo. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a, well, there's a whole group of, that's, why I'm buying that's it. where, you know, of an Elwin we trust and they'll buy anything Elwin. Um, Sure, there's always a, but you know, the same thing was true for Lyman Sheets, and that didn't mean Batman 66 outsold Led Zeppelin. I'm just saying, I I think it's real easy for people to forget. Uh, like, I, I know competitive players that don't know the designers. Wow. They might know the coders, or they might not know that. They just know which games they like and That's which they surprising. don't. That's surprising. And they don't. Modern yeah, stuff, well, I mean, too? especially sure. older stuff. Yeah, I was talking to someone once and I was like going over how like World Poker Tour is such a weird Steve Ritchie layout. Mm -hmm. And they're like, he did that? Like they knew who Steve Ritchie was, but beyond naming high speed and Black Knight, they couldn't have told you a game. I think for Western culture, King Kong would have hit a lot harder. I think we, us Westerners, we Uh, appreciate King Kong more. I I think you're right. I'm glad they did Godzilla. Like I would rather have Godzilla than King Kong. I think it's a more interesting monster. Which model reigns supreme here? Premium. Over the LE. No one can get it. A thousand people got it. Yep, but not me because I'm four hours too late. So you think the, the, all the cool stuff in the LE, that price doesn't justify? The artwork doesn't justify? Oh, no, no, no. LEs are always just markup for the rare, the exclusivity of it. So for me, I'm never, I'm never an LE person. I could love the, it could be my favorite theme in the world. I would never go LE. I always jump on the LEs. I think they offer the most, they're the most beautiful. On this one, I have a strong opinion. I don't see how you buy the pro. That's number one. There's just way too much stuff. Then again, this pro probably has more in it than any other Stern pro. You're getting a ton of games. And I think what happens to the pros nowadays, especially nowadays, Dennis, is that the pro appreciates more over time. It really does. People figure, I don't need that Captain Marvel ramp. I really don't. I don't really have to have that subway that slows the ball down. So I think over time, you're going to see the pro really pick up speed. But right now, it is nothing but premium. So between a premium and an LE, 
I'm here to tell you, listener, it's all premium for me. I think it has a better art package. I think the the choice of powder coat on the LE was a miss. You could have almost picked any other color. Give me a give me a darker metallic blue. Don't give me a rehashed silver. I think the premium stands out better than anything. And for many of you, I would say buy this premium and make it more unique than an LE by getting custom powder coat, by getting things uh, that the LE owners don't typically get. The premium is the winner here, and I think it's pretty clear. I, I'm not even convinced I'm going to get the LE. I'm always impressed by the premiums when I first see the game, and usually I start to get less excited as, as time goes by. So, I mean, by default, I would say yes on the premium, because that, but that's been my gut instinct. Every time I've seen a new release is, well, it's got more stuff, premium, premium, premium. Mm-hmm. And then as I watch the gameplay, maybe the premium still holds up or maybe the pro wins out. But I usually don't love the premium as much over time just because the newness wears off. So on my, uh, so I would agree with you. I'd say premium. I wouldn't, uh, especially with this price increase, I sure wouldn't be telling people to powder coat it. Oh, absolutely. I, what I yeah. recently did to my don't Jurassic, waste your money on that. Stuff. My Jurassic Park premium, I pulled in those uh, speaker light kits. I, I upgraded them to the LE speakers and the LE speaker lights. Uh, I did some other stuff. So premium I just all say the way. do that if you know the game's get it, and then if you know the game's a keeper, you can yeah. start throwing that. It's stuff got a power. In. But code. otherwise, if you're not sure, I wouldn't this, worry about that. This game deserves better than silver. I know they're trying to attribute it to to Mega Godzilla. No, 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 no. no. Okay, overall, let's talk about Stern General. We talked about price increases, right? Here's the here's another update. Everybody's asking, so is this just Godzilla? What's going to happen to the other games? Are the other games going up as well? Here's the deal. Uh, it's like a two-phase thing, and it's kind of confusing, so bear with me. All games and titles being manufactured minus Godzilla are going to see an immediate $300 increase. Boom. <gasps> Godzilla's going to roll out, and anything after that on the production line, I don't care what title it is, it's plus $300. And this is mostly to reflect the addition of insider-connected gear that's going to be added to every game, leaving that assembly line. $300. What about vaults? Uh, Are they running any vaults right now? They're not running any vaults, but I don't okay. think... I wasn't that, sure they're yeah. still doing Iron Man's. I don't think... Uh, they're going to. They're going to have another small run of Iron Man's. Well, then they better only be 150 on that. Tell them. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see an increase in that. Uh, okay. But I don't know for sure. All games and titles, as of January 1, 2022 are going to go up again to match the Godzilla current pricing. That's pretty typical to what we saw like last year with Avengers. That, you know, the price increase hit and then all the other games are going to catch up at January 1. Yep. Yep. So you're going to see right now you're going to see a $300 increase. Anything that's in a dealer inventory, no price markup. No <laughs> well, the dealers have no inventory. So I know. have fun I know. with that. I know. But no, you're not going to see any increase because it doesn't have that connected gear already in it. So if a dealer's trying to sell you stuff at the new price and it's been in inventory, doesn't have the connected, nope, sell, sell, sell. Uh, They don't know about Elvira, though. It's a studio title. It's kind of the only one they're going to be making in 2022 that we know of as of right now. So when asked about, is Elvira getting another price increase after we've seen a $500 price increase for that in Batman, he replied with, we haven't determined that yet. Gary Stern did talk a little bit about the Insider Connected. Pricing and additional information is going to be revealed in a week or two. They're going all in on this. This is this is their big move. Based on what we're seeing in their decision-making on this immediate $300 price increase, I think it's safe to say that you're going to see the Insider Connected kit come in anywhere from two to $300. If that's what they're adding immediately per the kit, I think that's what we're probably going to see for these retrofit kits as well think it's fair do you think it's high low i have no context to know okay well, I guess it doesn't sound no in the grand scheme of pinball stuff it doesn't sound horrible yeah overall 
I have this opinion. I want to see what you think about it, listener. Dennis, a lot of people are going to view this price increase. This is bullshit. I'm out. You know, we're going to get that. And I kind of feel the same way. Like some of this is getting freaking ridiculous. But the market has become more expensive. So too is the value of these games now on the secondary market. In my opinion, Stern has now raised the value of your collection overnight. You have no evidence for that. I will in uh, a couple you'll, hours you'll once I check it, pricing. Sure. Uh, because a Deadpool yesterday is worth a hell of a lot less than a Deadpool in 2022. I would say you may be correct that Stern has raised the value of your collection if you have games that are still on the line. Anything older, like an Aerosmith, did not go up because of this. I think it will. Because of the internet, no. I think prices. I think used games may still continue to go up because people are entering the market desperately trying to find things that are cheaper than this. But that's not directly driven by this increase. Ever, that's, just, yeah. that's just a part and parcel of more people getting into the hobby and going, "Holy crap, six thousand dollars!" No, maybe it's just my positive mentality. I think that every disadvantage I, has an advantage. And I would, I would focus. I think your your argument is stronger with the idea of you know when you buy these games, they retain their value very well, if not appreciate in the current climate. Sure. So the only issue is obviously you have to now tie up another thousand plus dollars to get a game, but. When you get out, it's not like you're going to lose more money than you were losing before, if you were losing at all, and you probably weren't. Sure. So those that'd of, be what I'd focus those on. Those of you with a Jurassic Park, your machine's worth more now. But I, I'm afraid my Super Orbit did not go up in value because Godzilla's more expensive. Sorry. <laughs> uh, as much as I wish it to be. My Super Orbit went up in value because of an auction in Banning, which now says it's a $2,900 oh, game. Yeah, we're not even going to cover that this week. A lot of stuff we're going to leave for next week. Uh, and maybe we'll dive deeper into, uh, okay, screw Godzilla. We're done. So what's next, Dennis? What's next for Stern Pinball? That's all people care about. It's Borg's turn, isn't it? Yeah. John Borg was recently on the Super Awesome Pinball Show and said that his game is following Elwin's and it's going to be around December. Hmm, maybe he has James Bond. Uh, the rumor is Rush. Hmm, okay. Well, I guess it is time for another has-been band. So no, two in a year. That's a lot of band. Tom Soye. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Uh, it's coming <laughs> and <laughs> I, I mean i like rush it's fine I, I do too but it's a band thing <laughs> i wonder what the bash toy will be man and godzilla is going to sell forever i think long-term godzilla may sell more than mandalorian but right now nope. i think you're right no it will not no come on zach that's just i'm telling you, you that's just recency bias it's not if you see what keith elwin games do long-term sales wise every single one of them is still selling and it's selling the highest in its class I I would I don't disagree with that Zach except w other than Stranger Things Mando is the return of Brian Eddy one of the most popular designers from the 90s and people love how that game plays they love it I do too So even if they love this it's not like Mando becomes less loved and Mando's theme is stronger mm. I might personally prefer Godzilla I don't know I've played Mando and I liked it a lot yeah. so um you know I it's I Stern doesn't do a lot of misses anymore, so it's hard to it's hard to say. I mean, they don't have any real. Yeah, true you rate everything at B plus in your reviews. I mean, well, yeah. Now you do, so maybe you need to adjust your scale. Justify because I mean, uh, well, no, Led Zeppelin shouldn't be getting no B plus. Our scale has more specificity than any other at reviewer the in the model. industry. The pro model, I don't think so. We're getting a B plus. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, we have. Well, I will say the the discrepancy between the pro and premium. I don't know if any of you find this interesting from a dealer perspective. There's not been a larger discrepancy thus far in our 
two and a half, three year uh, business with these new titles, there's not been a bigger discrepancy in premium orders over pros. It's, it's, it's not even close. You thought Avengers was different and this, you thought Mandalorian is different. Everyone is ordering. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not surprised given the, and I think th- my, my at least opinion 10 to one, Dennis, been, if hmm? not, if, if 10 to 15 to one. Sure. Well, especially on day one, but when man, it's all collectors all the time, but premiums are going to take longer to get. They're more expensive. It's, it's still surprising to me. There's so yeah, much game well, in that pro. Uh, the hobbies, the hobbies changed somewhat. And I think my impression, why I, I suspect looking at it, where while I think that they've inju- they've added more money into the bomb on the, I don't agree with you on the pro I don't think there's more in this pro than there was in a Mando pro I do think there's more in the premium though and I think that makes sense for Stern if they're trying to get more people to do what you are experiencing mm-hmm. as a distributor purchasing premiums over pros which gives Stern better profit margins so drive that there's drive people bomb. into making more and more gameplay differences between the two models so that home collectors feel like they're getting ripped off if they get a pro Look at the back panel. BOM wise, that's vacuum formed back panel. They don't do that. I think the bomb has gone up a little now, bit. The one thing I would say for those that are uncomfortable with the premium is despite all the cool toys that exist in the premium, I'm sure that Keith Elwin will give you a really fun playing pro shooter. Mm-hmm. He's never disappointed before. Obviously, that's just my speculation based off his track record. But Keith has never made, I've played plenty of his pros. I think, I think other than maybe Avengers, I've played all of them. And they are very fun games, so I think this will still play well. So I would I would project that in six months the ratio premium to pro will come back closer to a five to one. Sure, that's what I, I would guess. So, but you'll still think that premiums will outsell it. No, yeah, not even close. Okay, uh, I, could, I mean I could see it. There's going to be a couple of stories we're going to touch on more next week. One being Joe Kamenkow joining the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. He had a lot to say. For one, he's name dropping some Bob Gale. For those of you who don't know, that's the writer of Back to the Future, one of the greatest films and franchises of all time. So, you know, chatting with his buddy Bob Gale, and Joe is an investor in the Back to the Future musical. Just throwing that out there, a little linkage, a little correlation there. He also talked about original Data East GNR selling for more than what GNR JJP is selling? Uh, yeah, no, I, I've never seen that. I happen. don't know what the hell he was smoking there. I don't know if he misspoke. I don't know what he was talking about. He didn't misspeak. Uh, he probably thinks that's true, but it's not. It's so not. I mean, I, I don't go around looking for either GNRs, but I have seen DE, GNRs. They don't pop up a lot, but they pop up for less than the JJPs <laughs> Yeah, He's hoping that Harry Potter is coming in the future. He said, if Hoping any- means that ain't ever happening, because he, Mr. 100% always get whatever I want, saying hope. Do not trust a hope. It is forsaken these lands. I thought if you did shit and one, uh, shit hope and one and piss and what? No. what's that saying? Shit. I think it's swear to me, Lord Man. Swear to me you won't piss in your hand. Quit trying to take Harry Potter. I gotta get it and give it whitewater ramps so that <laughs> Harry Potter will bump his head when he plays Quidditch. <laughs> I'm Lord Man. You're not supposed to be better improv than Where is me? the golden snitch going? So bullshit. Golden snitches get golden stitches. <laughs> golden snitches. <laughs> I'm done. I can't. I can't. I'm way too close to Nord Man. I like him way too much. I could hear you for a whole fucking episode do that. Uh, Cam and Cow said that if anyone was going to solidify that license, it's going to be Stern and Kapow, damn it. <gasps> Roger Sharp that? may have a thing or two to say about that. <laughs> I just picture Roger Sharp like 
twinging his mustache. <laughs> I just imagine him opening his, his violin case, which is like <laughs> equipped with this custom fencing sword that he assembles. Yeah, challenges Joe to a duel. Uh, they're gonna make two hundred be- Wait, huh? They still have two hundred Beatles to make. <laughs> the That's hell? Awesome. Oh my god! What is this? That's a fun game, but it was just way too expensive. Well, you heard it here. If you guys are wanting Beatles, reach out to flippingoutpinball.com. For <laughs> or wait, wait, wait. Because apparently there's plenty of time. Oh, man. If this wasn't expensive <laughs> before, it's really expensive now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Fuck. My God. oh, my God. Oh, uh, We're going to see that maybe Q4. So that is that is confirmed. I'll confirm that here. Oh, Cam and Kyle brought the Munsters license to Stern. Who gives a shit? Kevin O'Connor is working on art for the next Kapow title. That's surprising. Franchi is the Kapow guy. Okay. And he's confirming there's another Kapow title coming. He was throwing some shade about Cactus Canyon. Did you hear that? Uh, Yeah, it was a little extreme, though I don't totally disagree with him. He said, quote, Cactus Canyon wasn't any good when Williams made it the first time and then went on to say, why would anybody want it now? Uh, Outside of the fact that it's so rare, I do find it somewhat odd that it was the fourth remake chosen by cgc no one's next to no one's played it i've played it a number of times and it's it's okay but it ain't no a-tier game it shoots really well i mean and you know how critical i am of j-pop honestly i think it would have made more financial sense to do like circus than to do cactus i agree even toten would even be better than yeah no yeah or toten anything but really world cup but let's see what else the uh, loser kids covered um cam and cow cold robert mueller and ass clown he said, quote, I hope he goes to jail. He gets what he deserves. He talked about Deep Root's efforts with Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, a.k.a. Raza, and said, quote, I saw that piece of crap they tried to show a year ago, and I just laughed. Damn. Yeah. Now, now d- it's important to note Whoa. that Joe's really good friends with Gary Stern, and, and Robert was pretty aggressive about Stern. So well, some of this is probably a little schadenfreude. Yeah, that's fine. He, he shit on American Pinball, too, saying, quote, nobody bought Oktoberfest, end quote. He also said, quote, nobody bought, really, Black Knight. Oh, is that like a quasi-burn because Steve's not with Stern yeah. anymore? And then made mention that maybe he'll do a high-speed five next. <laughs> God. You know, that's what people want. They do want another high-speed <laughs> Wow, Cam and Cal. Look it was at a fun. You. I enjoyed listening to this interview. It was fun. Yeah, that was even even even. Did you enjoy the part where he talked about how like they designed Back to the Future in like three hours <laughs> and how great of a game it yeah. is? Yeah, <laughs> I thought oh, you would. God, oh. fix that game, Joe. No, they don't need to go back because the first one, according to Joe, was so good. All right, so we've got he he banged on Deep Root. He banged on American Pinball. CGC is he missing anybody? He alludes to the current pinball manufacturers as being risky and mentioned the brand Hot Wheels, uh, saying that, quote, probably not going to work, <laughs> end quote. He talked about unsupported chips go bad. I think he's talking about American pinball in general, saying, be careful. These are risky to be buying these games. They're unsupported. Their chips are going to go bad. There's not going to be any replacement parts in the future. And you're going to have a brick. That's a, that is a strong claim. Yeah, uh, but in his defense, I do know operators that have been reluctant to embrace the new pinball companies for precisely those reasons. And a a case in point was I knew someone who, when he was an operator in the area, he isn't anymore, but he was trying to decide between Dialed In and Houdini, and he preferred Mm -hmm. Houdini more, but he was afraid that parts would be difficult to get, so he bought the uh, Dialed In. Oh, 
he went on to talk about the the part shortages and the shipping issues that Gary was talking about today. You got to go listen to this interview over at Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. It was fantastic. Those guys maybe said 14, 17 words. Uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit of the Joe show. <laughs> and and what a show it was. I don't even know if I agree with Joe a lot of times, but I still I still kind of dig the cut of his jib. Uh, so he was he was really good. I didn't know that he was a board, uh, part of the board of directors of Arcade One Up. That could get hmm. interesting. Joe's everywhere. But the most important part of this entire damn interview came at the end. Hosts Josh and Scott attempted a very cute attempt at closing the show. Talking about me in particular. The host with the most Zach Minnie here at the Pinball Show saying how wrong I was about Star Wars Pinball being great. I don't, ask people that know Pinball, guys, again, they're going to tell you how great that game is. Ron Hallett, I'm going to tag team you here. Jump in the ring, bud. And they talked about how, how wrong I was about the Goonies theme, right? It was very cute. They had this nice, big, huge industry leading person on their show, and they tried closing out the show, shit-talking me. But Joe couldn't help himself. Joe Cam and Cow chimes in, asking about the Goonies for a little clarification there, because the name The Goonies alone caught his interest loser kids he even went on to groan an audible groan when you guys told him that you think the goonies was a bad and is a bad theme he groaned and he was the special guest of your show to close out your show joe cam and cal dropped the mic by groaning and saying how sad and wrong you guys were how them apples yeah, if I were them, I would have edited out the groan. Yeah, it was. Can we put that to bed? Uh, I've got Joe Cam and Cal on my side. Can we put it to bed? Well, now? I you no, know, I would say no because Joe also thinks that Back to the Future was a great game. I think Joe knows themes. I think Joe knows licenses. I've made stuff that I know is bad too. The argument was Goonies. Damn it! The argument's not whether <laughs> hey, Back to the Future was supposed to be a Barry Osler game. Oh, speaking of nice transition there, Dennis talking about Deep Root. I saw on the recent Carrie Hardy video, very strong video, by the way, Goonies was supposed to be a Barry Arsler game and featuring a coin pushing mech. What are we doing deeper? Uh, okay. What to represent the treasure or what? I don't even care. Don't know. Don't care. I think that's <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> uh, that hurts me. That hurts my soul. And if they were going to bastardize Goonies like that, I still would have bought it, but thank God that they went under and they don't have their hands on Goonies. Thank God. I think the pinball gods every day for that. I and just, I just find it fascinating that they could have made basically a pachinko machine and you'd have bought it anyway, proving if it, if it was truly pinball, moral weakness I would have of anything. It. I would have bought it. And speaking of stupid, Kerry Hardy doubled down and said, "Look, Octo Manufacturing. When he was there, you know what Octo Manufacturing was, Dennis and listener. I've never known what it, it was. was. Simply eight fucking Harbor Freight workbenches and two employees building a game on one of those said workbenches. There's your Octo oh. Manufacturing. Okay, so instead of assembly line, it's start to finish production. <laughs> two employees uh, take one workbench yeah. and they build a game. I I guess that takes up a lot less space, but it doesn't sound very efficient." <laughs> But what do I know? I'm not a manufacturer. If you want to feel the cringe, go over to Carrie Hardy's YouTube uh, channel and check that out. Oh, man. And this is coming from the guy that was in the factory observing what was going on. Oh, speaking of observing what was going on, this week in pinball, very close to Deep Root through over the last handful of years, shuts their doors for now. Taking a hiatus, Jeff Patterson, from this week in pinball. What the hell? 
You guys covered this over at uh, Eclectic Gamers podcast quite nicely. Oh uh, yeah, his uh, his article on it. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback on that. Uh, good, bad, indifferent. Mostly good. Yeah. Okay. You guys really deep dived it. I appreciated it because uh, I've been close to to that story and to Twip for for many years, and a lot of what you guys said was true. Is true. Um, and even your speculation and and just kind of drawing conclusions here. A lot of that very much true. I felt bad when Jeff, he basically made a, an exit statement that said he's taking a step away. It's not, he's not getting paid for this. It's become too much work. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here. I think I'm, this is fair so far. Um, he was even suggesting listener that he was receiving threats and near blackmail because of, I don't know why, because of something, because of a phone call, because of something. And that encouraged him to go on a hiatus. It was an it was an exit statement, Dennis, but it was a little bit. And you guys you guys talked about it. It was a little bit of everywhere. We had a lot of a heavy deep yeah, emphasis on yeah. it. Yeah, I mean at the at the if I remember, it's been a while since I read read the article. I did read it a few times before we covered it on the on the my other show. But yeah, I mean because at the end of it, he he noted yeah there was this sort of harassment if I were to nutshell it mm-hmm. regarding his, his something involving him in deep root but he did also note that there were some other reasons behind wanting to go on hiatus but i guess i haven't been there today but someone told me there's a deep dive so i guess he's back so twip is back so now hmm. th- he's back that was the one thing your prediction you you said it would probably be best for him just not well to, um, i i construed uh, obviously falsely hiatus to mean a long-term thing I, I, it was going to be just i want to take two weeks off that's what i didn't think it was I two weeks i don't know how many i mean i again i don't go there regularly so i like the I deep don't. dives i do too i, I like normally those. but i didn't even think to go to there today before our our record because i assumed he was on hiatus yeah, and I don't just go, I don't just go every week. I would just usually usually it gets linked somewhere, and it's this whole day has been weird because I <laughs> I mean I'm still working while we're recording this and everything, so it's all very um, you know I didn't do as good of a job as I probably should have in in checking up on the Godzilla, but no I mean I just kind of like I didn't quote unquote unbookmark the page, but I sure haven't been going there because I thought it was on hiatus. Yeah, so. I generally I generally go there for the the deep dive stuff, but. Yeah, I was. We were going to cover it before, but then didn't know whether to cover it because by the time he quit, he already said, "I'm back." I think this is a, "I'm back." I don't know what this is. Unless to, it's an exception, uh, kind of like the guest article he ran after the hiatus, yeah, which he, he didn't announce he in the hiatus article. So, yeah. well, yeah, but that one was already in the can. So he said uh, in his exit thing, "Quote: Monetizing Twip has always been a struggle, and the optics of being sponsored by manufacturers or other pinball companies in the small community has always been a concern." I cover my thoughts on it more in depth here on a post from 2019. He links said post earlier in this statement. He talked about uh, receiving monetary expenses from the pinball community solely, saying, "Quote: Our income has all been from folks in the pinball community." Thank you, exclamation, twice. And most of that income has been pumped back into the website and the brands and the Twippy Award show to improve our products and content, end quote, which many people are thankful and grateful for. I know that uh, seeing anybody give back is good. Unfortunately, the, the our income has been all from folks in the pinball community. It's, uh, it's an interpretation thing. If you include those that own and run a manufacturer just still being in the pinball community, then yes, that is true. 
If not, then that is false. It's not a not a uh, factual statement. For better or worse, well, it's I, just I not. think it's a, I. I would say that can be interpreted broadly okay. to okay. to be included. I mean, that would be how I would interpret it. Uh, th- that being said, you know, back and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily encourage people to listen to the EGP episode, but Tony spends a lot of time. We had a prior episode, the uh, w- way back like in the 120s, where he focused on FTC, Federal Trade Commission requirements in mm-hmm. the U.S., and that's where a lot of our discussion went because. A lot of that information that they've put out, and this really came down primarily in 2017, uh, and it's been mostly about uh, people who were endorsing products and then not declaring that they were endorsing products. Yes, yes. Which, which, but the which isn't the case here. But the situation that that is tied to all of that, that all of us who create content in a social, you know, atmosphere, and that can, you know, Facebook blogs podcasts, uh, YouTube, all of that, as mm-hmm. you know, for doing yeah, straight sure. down the middle, is that in the FTC guidance, they specify that you are, even if you're not endorsing a product, it's said that you are to make clear when you have a relationship with a brand. So if, say, I was donating money to you, Zach, mm-hmm. and you were to talk about something, you wouldn't have to name me, but if I were Dennis Incorporated, who produces uh, the pin step. Pin I, I had to think of when that wasn't already trademarked by Deeper. The pin step. And I'm making the pin step. You And I was giving you money. In, a, I, in my understanding as a non-lawyer is in the ideal proper world, if I were giving you money and you knew I made the pin step, if you were to podcast and cover me, you should mention that, oh, by the way, I received financial support mm-hmm. from Dennis. And that is not influencing my my review here of the. It doesn't even have to be a review of the pin step. It would be just covering my business. Sure. Be like, by the way, we have a financial relationship. You don't have to disclose like how much or what you're getting. Sure, I will be the first to tell you, Dennis and listener. I've slipped up on that uh, a couple times hmm. on YouTube. You know, it's really it's, easy to make mistakes. It's yeah, re- I, mean, I have, and that's where why we focused on it again isn't to like I have I've never gone and reported someone to the FTC. It's just. FYI, because I know there's so many of us who create content, who listen and consume each other's content. Be aware of this stuff. It used to be a recommendation. And Mm -hmm. then I think it was around 2017 when they found out that 28% of all brands like going to Instagram influencers told them don't disclose this arrangement, pretend it's a legit review that the FTC was like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. And and to my knowledge, listener, I think... Jeff has responded well to that. I know for a fact that mm-hmm. he's gone back and he's trying to take every step that he can uh, per his report that he is doing that just like I myself am as a content provider uh, and so forth and so on. Yeah. And, and Jeff reached out to, to uh, Tony and me after the episode and asked for uh, information on the FTC stuff. So I sent him a guy because, you know, one of the things is like he has a disclaimer uh, and as a case in point, disclaimers are great. But the FTC doesn't want them at the bottom of pages. <laughs> they want them where you have to see them before you read the piece. An easy enough thing to not think about, though. Dennis, here's the, uh, the uh, brass tacks here. I'm only bringing this up because there's some murky stuff in here. And the only reason I know there's murky stuff because I've been associated with TWIP in the past doing a podcast. Um, like we said, the Twippies. We, we, Jeff and I were close best friends. We, were, we worked uh, hand in hand for many, many years. So you guys were very close when uh, when I was asked to start doing some guest spots yes. on Twip podcast, and then eventually to to co-host. It. Absolutely, uh, I mostly communicated with you rather than Jeff, but Jeff's always been really cordial with me. Yes, yes. And uh, when when Jeff and I were close, 
he was a great friend, great, great friend. We had a little uh, breaking up towards the end, many reasons, different podcasts that we would talk about that. But um, I have no doubt that Jeff, he has really good intentions for the most part. The problem is here in the past recently, I'm going to be honest, there, there haven't been great intentions. And what, what is hard for me, I'm, I'm having a tough time even discussing it. What's hard for me is reading an exit statement like this because Jeff has a good chance to clear up a lot of stuff for himself that I think us as a community, because he's made some pretty big mistakes in my opinion, um, and ones that he has not been transparent about. I have a hard time sleeping at night when, when if I ever get faced with that. The truth of the matter is there's a lot of deep root stuff in here, listener, because there was an agreement. There was uh, monetization that Jeff was receiving. I'm saying this from personal experience. I know this is a fact. He was receiving money, um, monthly donations, substantial, large donations, in my personal opinion, from Deep Root Pinball for an extended period of time. I would have loved to have heard Jeff just come out and say that because like you were saying before, he didn't know that it was coming from, uh, he was getting scammed to other people. And this no, was like me. I can't, I can't, again, not an attorney, can't give legal advice, sure. but I'm, I cannot see how any, there's no, there's no culpability tied to that any more than, uh, for example, I am aware that when you were the host of the Twip podcast, you were compensated to do the editing of that's, that podcast. Yep, that's where I'm getting to. So um, you for example, thus probably got some of that deep root money. Absolutely. But that's not your problem. No, no, it's well, and it's not your problem that deep root maybe got that from little old ladies either. The problem is when I read this kind of exit thing, I'm like, damn it, Jeff, here's, here's a chance, man. Just let people know what happened. You, you, you were receiving a, a substantial amount of money every month from deep root. I know that because I was receiving and negotiated a certain percentage. I'll even be honest with you. It was 25%, which I'm actually pretty proud of a good negotiation here on me. Anything that came into TWIP, Dennis and listener, 25% of those earnings came to <laughs> You got 25% of my dollar I, I was given a month. Absolutely. That was 25% oh to me because there was a, a substantial amount of work that I was doing uh, for TWIP as a representative of doing the podcast, doing the Twippies, creating all of that. There was a lot of work that we were both doing. I negotiated 25%. I wouldn't have paid me 25%. That's why I'm proud. But uh, I was receiving funds as well. So it just doesn't sit well with me for people not knowing that that's really what was going on here. Um, he didn't, he didn't talk about that on his podcast. I had issues with that. And looking back, I should have been transparent. I'm telling you, I'm wrong in a lot of ways here. Uh, but continuing this without just continuing with the truth doesn't sit well with me. And uh, I'm not blaming Jeff. I'm not blaming anybody, but I'm at least telling what was going on so that I can feel okay. Because like I said, I happily, and felt like I, I earned a good portion of what was coming in. I was proud of that. And looking back, it sucks now thinking that some of the deep root money was coming to me, just as it was with anybody that uh, money was coming back from TWIP to the providers doing podcasts or what you know, all these little things going on. I feel like shit about it. Nothing I can do about it. Like you said, not my fault. I was just merely 25%. However, when I seen this accent, I'm like, man, just tell people, tell people, Jeff. I'll get over it. So it just doesn't feel good that this was, and and God forbid, if people were really threatening, and I don't know what quasi-blackmail is or close to blackmail, I have no clue what that is, but if that was legit, that's pretty disgusting. It's irrefutably gross that somebody would do that to the point that he was scared and he had to close down shop here. 
But that also gave him the opportunity just to be real with people. Just be real with people. That's all. So that's the truth. I'm not looking to wage any conflict here. That is the truth. Whether or not why he didn't tell you, I don't know. Maybe it's a moot point to many of you, but I at least feel better discussing and and talking about it because in this he also alludes to calling a friend. You saw that, Dennis? You called a friend after yeah, talking we, to Robert. Yeah, we talked a little bit about because I wasn't. I was. I was a little confused about what the and that whole section was it, was strangely written. Absolutely, and for me, it wasn't strange because I was that person he called. Mm, okay. From an outside perspective, I was losing track of who was talking to whom about yeah. what and yeah, anyway. I'm telling and I guess it didn't really matter. Telling you, I'm telling that. listeners right now, I was that person. He described me as a friend. I think objectively at that time, Jeff, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, fucking hated my guts. Uh, if I'm being honest, at uh, whenever I stepped away from Twit Podcast, he uh, we had disagreements with Twip. He's kind of booted me from that. Um, he did not like me. Why he called me? making one call after a Robert Mueller phone call. And this wasn't immediately after why he's calling me. I have my thoughts as to why I'm not going to speculate that because I don't have any proof as to why he called his one sworn enemy at that time. Jeff and I have since then uh, been much better and cordial and, and whatnot. I don't know if this affects anything, but he called me. Now he contacted me and said, Hey, we need to talk. I'd like to like to talk to you about something. I thought, what in the hell what Jeff want to talk to me about, he is irate with me uh, with forming of the TPN and, and different things. So I said, I'd only feel comfortable if I had someone on the phone call with me. Hence him saying in this exit statement that he asked a friend to join. I ran it by him prior to him agreeing to take that phone call. Took the phone call and he asked if I could keep something confidential. I told him I could not. And he was agreeable to continue telling me that uh, with the desire for it to be confidential. It would have remained confidential because it was a, a non-point to me at that time. But here we are with an exit thing that technically involves me, and I just want to at least speak to it and how it involves me. Uh, he didn't tell me anything about any FCC or SEC, nothing like that. Didn't mention anything. He just said, hey, look, I just want to let you know that I've cut my ties or quote-unquote monetary ties that he was getting. Uh, from deep root because I do not feel good about what's going on. I, I don't see this thing as working out, and uh, I, I want to be done with it. I had nothing to do with Twip, so I said, I, okay, all the power to you. But essentially, without being rude, like, why are you calling me? Uh, wh why me? Why, why do you care? I think maybe it's because I'm a dealer, and he thought maybe I was signing up to this. At that point, I had already told him, now I'm out. I, I chose not to be a dealer. But he contacted me for what reason? I can only... Uh, guess at the same you know things that you guys could guess but he did contact me talk nothing about that uh the other witness was greg bone he was on the phone uh so he can he can confirm all of this following that i didn't really have any much conversation with it until you know here and there just trying to work on a friendship uh, and trying to come in good graces with one another and then i seen this recently and i thought well shit i was that phone call that he made why is he putting that in here what's that have to do with anything it doesn't but the inference here is that after the phone call with myself and Greg Bone, there was then threats being made. I don't think necessarily he's inferring that directly we were threatening, but because of the information we may have allegedly told people, that was uh, what, why people were harassing him. So you see now, listener, why I'm wanting to talk about this, because I don't feel good if that were the case. If somebody did do that, that's shitty, it's horrible. 
certainly wasn't me or Greg Bone, but anybody did that. I don't care who it was. It's horrible. But I think that's why he included it in the statement, which then indirectly kind of includes me. A lot more goes on to that um, as to why I wanted a witness in the first place uh, and allegations, legal allegations that, uh, you know, were bestowed upon me uh, from this week in pinball that out of the courtesy of decency and this conversation, I'd like not to discuss further. I will, if need to be, be happy to, but uh, we'll just keep it at that. But I feel better, Dennis and listener, that I was able to at least talk about it. I don't think there needs to be anything brought forth out of this or, or as a result of this. It is what it is. Now we all are on the same page. It's all good. And I hope TWIP goes back to creating things I love, such as the Twippies and Deep Dives. Is that good? Sorry. I'm pretty shocking the hell out of you, Dennis. Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, well, I mean, some of it's not not too surprising. I mean, in the context of what was written, and it does add some clarity in terms of some of the stuff I thought Makes was more really sense kinda, now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I thought, you know, if even if some mistakes are made, everyone makes mistakes. Sure. I, don't, I don't see a big deal just sort of saying, yeah, this is what happened. Yeah. Lesson learned. Yeah. People are pretty cool with stuff like that I yeah because nobody would know i just can't keep yeah, it's just keep we all want to we all want to do a better job you know producing con- i mean you know they have the ftc stuff for example is something that i've had to review the guide especially starting to do youtube i'm like oh gosh there's just so much it's not hard but there's so much to, that you want to be sure you have to get right mm-hmm. that it's like it's easy to comply with if you know but it's easy to not know mm-hmm. because yeah. it's like okay well you might see something you think oh well, this doesn't apply and yeah. Anyway, it's just, yeah. it's just interesting. That's what it just, is. A lot of other stories in the news we're going to keep till next week, such as little teasers here. Dr. John talks with Mike about this is Spinal Tap. We get GNR toppers that are now shipping. There's a co-op mode and how in American pinball games, Dead Flip uh, streamed that a week or two ago. Canada threatening the leader of a manufacturer, American pinball, Dave Fix, and efforts to get him on his podcast. Spoiler alert, it worked. Jesus Christ. Uh, and then a merch update. Buy merch stuff if you want. Uh, whatever. But shirts. Beep-boop, beep-boop. Beep-boop. I got my beep-boop. Ladies and gentlemen, just like me this week, it's feisty, it's hot, it's unscripted. It's the Pinball Show's one and only Pinball Market Trends. Trending up this week, you guessed it, it's Godzilla by Stern Pinball. Have you seen the pictures? The premium? Have you ordered yet? Bye, 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 baby. Game of the year? (sighs) Hashtag too soon. Don't you trend up, Godzilla. It's only been up one day. I'll show you the difference between a trend and between an Elvira. House of (laughs) Horrors, the real campy game. The real campy game. Oh, thank you, Nord. She has a wig. Godzilla doesn't even have hair. He's ugly. I want to still know what that little dinosaur is. It's the ugliest little bastard ever. I don't know. Uh, Milla? God, it's so stupid and cartoon-like. Milla, the the baby Godzilla? Oh, failed Jeremy Packer for even illustrating him on the playfield. Don't you judge Milla. Bad enough it's an animation. It was the best thing that ever happened to Jeremy Packer and Godzilla. Disney's dinosaur sitcom dinosaur. Good lord. <laughs> oh, the mama. Oh, yeah. And then they all died. <laughs> climate change. The darkest ending ever to a sitcom. Yeah, try climate change, motherfucker. And deal with it. <laughs> trending down dinosaurs. <laughs> trending, <laughs> trending down heartwarming dinosaur stories. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They're all dead. 
like my parents. Which one did you get? Did you go with the Pro? Did you go with the Premium? Reflecting those Mecha Pecs. Boom, boom, boom. With your LE. Which one did you get and why? Training up is Godzilla. It's going to be training up for a while. The only thing that's going to train that thing down is the weight <laughs> for Stern rolling them out of the production line. Also training up this week while I'm at it, Stern Pinball. Is there a bigger company? Is there a company bringing you more? Still the gold standard in pinball. You want code? You got it. You want assets? You got it. You want titles? You got it. You want designers? You got it. You want art? You've got it. What don't you have with Stern Pinball? World under glow. Well, now you kind of have that in spades as well. Stern Pinball has been trending up for the last couple of years. And as Gary Stern said in this seminar, the inflation, he doesn't see inflation stopping anytime soon. He doesn't care what politicians say. He got, he got on his old man pulpit a little bit there. <laughs> I don't care what these politicians say. This inflation is going to continue going up. I was waiting for him to say, training up this week. He didn't, sadly. Also training up this week is a little facetious, and it's pricing in general. Pricing is on the rise. As I said earlier, Stern Pinball has just rewarded you with a higher-valued collection. Thank you, Stern. I appreciate it. Psst. But if you ask Nicole how much any of these things are worth, all my collection averages about 5000 a pin to 6000 for the LEs. She doesn't listen. At least she'll listen to like the first part of the podcast. Never this far. So I think we're safe. But like a missile on those end lanes, what goes up must come down. Turning down this week are those poor DMD Stern games. Oh, Dot Matrix games. Walking Dead. Sorry. Iron Man. Oops. Metallica. Oh, if only you were better. Those poor, poor DMD Stern games. They've been left out in the outdated cold in the landfill next to the Atari ET games. Fern Herm. Not about phones, ET. It's connectivity, baby. While those LCD titles that Stern makes are sticking up their smaller back glasses at the old DMDs and they're cozying up all insider, all warm and connected. They'll never see the light of the warm glow from the internet. Mmm. Hey, perv, clear your history. I didn't know anybody was into that shit. Ew. Also trending down this week is a bit of a rant, so you might want to fast forward if you don't want to hear it. But as I say, numbers don't lie, and neither does the truth. Does that make sense? The truth doesn't lie because the truth in this. Trending down this week is those sad, 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 limited edition Silver Bowl Swag Canada Pinball Podcast t-shirts. Viva la raza. Mmm, there's your free plug there, Canada. Yeah, I've got to trend these down because they're kind of toxic. Yeah, surprise, surprise, right? Hey, Gear Bear, scooch over a bit off your pulpit here. Uh, is, this, is this thing on? So uh, this damn community and industry, are we not done rewarding people making money off of the pain and agony of our fellow pinballer? This is our cohort. This is our peer group. People lost money with Raza, people that I know. Friends of mine lost money. And instead of supporting and, and being decent to those people, let's actually make fun of those people publicly by getting others to wear t-shirts as a constant reminder of them losing money. And in return, let's, let's make money doing so. It's not cute. It's pretty damn despicable, if you ask me. Come on, mister. Ever since I came back, I'm no longer toxic or talk shit about... Dude, 
every single one of your episodes you're throwing shit but this is another low making money off people's tears Ugh, geez dude must have the softest pillow and mattress ever come on chris and look i'm the, I'm the furthest from being perfect i've made mistakes but at the end of the day you just try to be decent right if you know something's shitty just stop don't do that chris make another t-shirt go sit in time out chris your power wheel civic will be fine just park it there go sit in time you know what you did wrong no omokase graham crackers for you my friend snack time's over this show is running long so you guys don't get any deals of the week you don't get any deals of the what the, honestly this, this whole show should be an enlightening wtf to you guys i'm gone for like a week and a half a week and a half come on pinball media All right, that's the end of our show. I think Nordman has left the building. He had to run, uh, making another appearance somewhere else. Dennis Creasel is out as well. Dennis had a prior obligation to attend to, so but he agreed to, to do the first half of the show, so we are grateful for that, and we'll hear him soon. Check him out next week on the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Follow them on Facebook and on your favorite podcatcher. You can reach me or Dennis at the pinball network at gmail.com uh, or me over at straight down the middle, SDT and pinball at gmail.com. And if you're ready to buy a brand new Godzilla, pre-order it from flipping out pinball. Bye, bye, bye. We continue to strive. Even if we have low inventory, we continue to strive to bring you things that other people won't. That's free shipping on all brand new Sterns. We're still holding out on that. No requirement for pre-orders. Who else does that? If you want a game, message me. I'll put you down. You'll get the invoice. You don't need to pay a penny until that game is ready to ship. Creating media, keeping you updated. We do everything we can at Flipping Out Pinball because it is our life, but we love it. And we will continue to serve and appreciate all the support that we get. So pre-order your Godzilla and also specify if you're wanting some armor, maybe a topper. Well, get on an interested list with us. Get yourself a Hot Wheels. Stern's cranking out games again now, so call us for updates for those titles that you love. We've got that Big Buck Hunter Reloaded Panorama Online still. If you guys are looking for a Big Buck Hunter, throw that 55-inch or 70-inch behind it. Booyah! It's a damn fun game. we got that CGC Miss Pac-Man Galaga stand-up arcade. And pretty soon, sounds like we're going to have a Cactus Canyon announcement. Our list is long, but we don't know how many Ellie's we're getting yet, how many SEs we're getting yet. Get on that list with flipping out. All kinds of accessories, Stranger Things, Art Blades, Avengers Die Cut Armor, Jurassic Park Topper, Amber, Shooter Rod, and Art Blades. Boom, the trifecta. TMNT art blades and shooter rods. Deadpool pop bumper ninja star kits. Do you not have those? They're cheap and awesome. Get them. Shooter rod, we got them back in stock. Art blades, we got them. Banners, we got them. Escalera, we don't have them. But order now in time for the fall. Eight to ten week turnaround on that. TPN last week, triple drain pinball podcast. That was a good one. Those guys are good. Also juicy with Silverball Chronicles. Steve Ritchie part three, the return. It's getting a lot of listens, that one. A lot of listens. We consider them for some awards this year. And you can't leave out the final round pinball podcast. Three podcasts right there. All the other podcasts are going away. TPN continues to grow. Love my family over here. And I know you do as well. Final round was good. They had Dave Peck on, Mr. System 11 himself. I messed up his name. I called him Roto Dave instead of Rotor Dave. Sorry, Dave. TPN this week, we do have an upcoming event on September 16th. Mystery Pinball Theater 3000 versus Don't Panic Flip in a Twitch battle. You got to go check that out. I think it's over a DPF or Don't Panic Flip. Be on the lookout. Follow, like us on Facebook, the Pinball Network, Twitter, all of that stuff. And you'll be up to date with all the goods. And for Dennis Creasel, whether you like it or not, I'll always be Zach Benny. As I always say, 
That's my Godzilla cry. You can put in at the end. That's, that works. And always practice safe pinball and that mantra. wing, don't touch him. Can't fly after. up. So long, everybody. Thank you for being a mute. Uh, that's right. Episode 74. Wow, we've made it that far. Yeah.